Okay. All right. I think so here's the fucking going. thing. Here's the fucking thing, right? Here's the thing. I, you may be asking, wow, this still isn't the Norfolk Southern derailment episode, which I say, shut the hell up. Uh, <laughs> yes. We recorded one, but everything we recorded at the time is already out of date. So we're not releasing that. Stop fucking asking us. This we're waiting the, for the NTSB yeah. report. The problem is that, like, in particular, Justin knows too much about this and is cursed by knowing. Um, yeah. yeah it, if we, you we, ever we, see the man who knew too much, uh, you gotta see the bras cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just bras we, superimposed on the entire movie. Yes, we did We did record an episode on East Palestine, but by the time it was finished, everything we said was out of date or wrong. I mean, you know, so I, I, we scrapped that one. That's why we didn't record. We didn't release very much in February. I apologize for that. We shouldn't have even tried it, but we did. And then, and we and were then cursed we, for our hubris, yeah. Yeah, we were cursed for our hubris. It ended up um, being so, sort of like free therapy <laughs> for you, though. Like, I, I hope you kind of like got some of the like feelings out of your system at that moment. I what, got, what gave Go me ahead. therapy was when legislators stopped talking about electromagnetic pneumatic brakes or electronic <laughs> pneumatic brakes. Because I was like, I, I had visions in my head of repeating the positive train control mandate and just like, you know, it'd be uneconomical. Watching, watching fucking NJT borrow toasters from SEPTA to meet requirements. Or, or like watching like most hazmat becoming uneconomical to ship by rail. Yeah. And there's like, 17 trucks full of vinyl chloride piling up on I-80. Um, you know, and outside but, of I-80. Iowa 80. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's a dip, different story, I will say that. I, I have a fun aside, which is that uh, I, so I am now in therapy once a week. Uh, nice. It turns out it does work. Sorry. It's uh, so annoying that it works, too. Yeah, like, I, I, uh, I think that a lot of my previous experiences because I wasn't putting in a good faith effort um, but I was also 17 and addicted to drugs, so shut up. I, I, I do. I, I have mentioned Roz a couple times to my therapist. He's like, "So what do you do for work?" And I'm like, "All right, listen, it's this podcast, right?" And he's also my best friend and also kind of my boss. And he's like, "That sounds complex." And he's like, fascinated by Roz. So, Doctor Paul, if you're listening, <laughs> like there he professionally, is. yeah. This is this is this is a co-op system. I'm not your boss. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of my boss. We all have an uh, equal share in this. Yeah. Uh, th well, I I I control the uh, the way the PayPal is distributed. So I guess I was about uh, to say. So yeah, you, you 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 have the power of the purse here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, grand. What do they call it in the uh, United States? Exchequer. Who is it? Uh, yeah, you're an exchequer. You're a chancellor of the exchequer. You don't use that word. Yeah, well, yeah. it's a very stupid word. Um, See, we all we all need to keep this uh, in check by having a secret way we could fuck each other over. Well, we had uh, released. <laughs> I'm not sure what episodes. I'm not sure what mine is. I like what's the card I can play here? I I, I guess I could like accuse you of being transphobic and get you cancelled. Like oh, what could, you could do to be a Roz? Yeah, there's ton, there's tons of stuff that's probably cancelable. It's just not public. Oh yeah, shit loads. <laughs> Sure, that's yeah, true. Yeah, I don't think yeah. that's true. I would have to make it up, and like you know, I'm I don't think I'm vicious enough to do that. So I'm not sure. There's, that I have. there's a lot of bad stuff we've done in our personal lives. Nothing criminal, but certainly stupid and bad. Yeah. 
I'm not. I make Some it a policy. Some of them probably borders on criminal, but they are they are harmless crimes. I make it a policy not to ask you what the number in the speedometer was in any story you tell me about driving <laughs> anywhere, and that's Buddy. yeah. Set a new speed record in uh, in the United States, by the way. Not gonna tell. Not gonna speeding. say that number on air. <laughs> I think we need to go back to the Liam's van thing, and we need to like get you another van, but we painted up like one of Alex Roy's fucking cars was like you know fucking what if police it's like, interceptor no, on the it's side. Like the, it's like the the A team van. Oh. Um, <laughs> so I I I uh, have been looking in the, in the sort of the long term uh, three to four years plan to sell the GTI, um, and and finally go back to full size van life. Uh, much to Crin's like, oh, you should you know, sell you the car, and like we can get like a Toyota Rav Four Prime together. And I'm like, nah, something's got like I gotta do something stupid. Like, yeah, you gotta. I can't you gotta own go a car that's van. reliable or safe. No, it has to be a nugget, and the, and like the nugget has yeah. to be a van. You know. Also, this is a problem with me. I started watching this Australian guy who like Gang does pods, like, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, start... I highly recommend his channel. All of his channels. Yeah, and so I, you know, you watch enough of that, you start calling things nuggets. It's uh, yeah. reprehensible of me. <laughs> oh, I say big stinky audio now. In just <laughs> casual conversation, I'm like, yeah, big stinky bass. And Corinne's like, I don't understand why you have six pairs of headphones, and it's just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I need them for different <laughs> applications. Uh huh. You don't understand the textures as much as I do. Yeah, it's Bluetooth audio. Don't worry, it all sounds like it comes through a string through a through a can attached to a string. <laughs> What are we oh here for God. again? I want that shit. Speaking, speaking of Australia, we're here in Love Canal. Speaking, yeah, speaking of Australia, there is a podcast called Bunta Vista, of sure. which some bonus episodes are called The Theophiles, where they talk about random stuff. And one day I was listening to it, and they were talking about the Love Canal, and I was like, "That's our territory. You can't talk about that. <laughs> That's our thing." This oh, is what are you gonna do? You gotta Buna, take another person. Buna Vista Social Club, you are hereby issued with a cease and desist order. Yes. <laughs> we don't retract we don't come that, to your house. What do you say? Vista Social Club, the, the, the Cuban band? Yeah, that's what it's a reference to. So that's the full name. I'm calling it by its full name. Like I'm calling uh, the podcast uh, indoors. Ah, uh, 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 yes. It's actually the only podcast other than ours I own merchandise for. <laughs> you own Phil Billy's merch, you fucking liar. Do we? Oh yeah, you I do. do. Yeah, I have, have a Phil Billy's yeah, t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't. I have a Lions Live by Donkey sticker. I have a big. I have, I have, I have big, like all of the TF and KJB shit. I have all of that. So. I don't. I don't even have all of our own merch. You. You know what I don't have? What I don't have is a well. There's your problem. Shirt from the fucking live show because you have oh, not mailed it to me. Oh, see, the problem is that I. The problem is that I wiped my ass <laughs> with it. All right. Wash it and mail it to I me. I will not be washing it. I will be labeling it as hazmat and sending it on its way. Speaking of hazmat, what do you see in front of you? It's bad. Is a f open field and some nasty water. Uh, today we're going to talk this about this is what Boston hot dogs are served in, folks. <laughs> today we're going to talk about one of America's most famous chemical disasters, the Love Canal. But first, cool. we have to do the goddamn news. Oh, folks, this one's bad, huh? 
Yeah, so there was a, a big train crash in Greece, an olive field meat, if you will, uh, because <laughs> two trains just wrecked right into each other uh, at high speed. Yeah, uh, just like head on. On on the same track, apparently, and just uh, it has killed like what, like two, three dozen people. We're and, up like, to it... fifty-seven, I believe. Jesus, man, yeah, it, it yeah. fucking those those numbers going up never makes me feel good, you know. No. So by my understanding here is that um, this double track line was single tracked for track maintenance, oh. um, and there was sort of this. Uh, the signaling system in Greece does not work very well. So there's this culture of, you know, the station master saying, ah, right, yeah, that signal is red because it's broken. Just go ahead. Oh. And they went ahead and it turned out the signal was not broken. There was a freight train approaching in the opposite direction. So these trains crashed head on at very high speed. Um, not a great situation. Uh, it was all full of kids as well. Or not oh, kids, no. like 18, 19 year olds. Uh, so, you know, this is a uh, pretty ugly situation overall. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was reading on this. Dude, it just, not a great, not a great uh, few weeks to be a, a, a train guy. Uh, yeah, obviously, this, this just sucks. Uh, Norfolk Southern put another one on the ground, sort of waiting for another Sunset Limited or uh, Keystone, was it the Keystone or Northeast that derailed in... Uh, Kensington and, and just fucked up a bunch of people. I was a Northeast Regional. Yeah. I don't know, just shit feels very grim, right? But uh, yeah, it's uh, a lot of uh, like just deferred maintenance causing very preventable problems. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the uh, like carriage on the left there, that's on fire, which it shouldn't be. Uh, apparently, that yes. was like, that was the first carriage in that like hit this freight train. Um, this is absolutely horrific picture oh yeah, yeah it's uh that they they are having to identify bodies from dental records which you know that's, that's just because everyone just got incinerated does remind me of uh, a tweet because now this the news is tweet review and whenever i see anything now i just think of a funny tweet that i read like five years ago which is sure. my dentist my dentist can do it all from a simple cleaning to identifying my charred remains <laughs> Ugh. Because the real thing, the real thing here is that we can do a sort of like transit broken window theory here and say that you know the real cause of this calamity began when they let it uh, when they started letting people like graffiti on the side of the trains, um, and that oh, you God. know sort of spiraled out of control until we got here and it killed like three thousand oh, people. I see you're on some of the Facebook uh, railfan communities. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Oh, well, the interesting thing is the uh, Greek uh, railways were taken over by um, the Italian state railways. Ah. who, you know, also allow a lot of graffiti on their trains, but they don't have high-speed head-on collisions. Um, One of the sort of so, classic modes of rail ownership is sort of owned by someone else's nationalized railway. Mm -hmm. That's called competition. Um, yeah, I don't like it. Like, I think yeah, it should... One of the more bizarre things about how, how railways have been privatized in Europe is that they just get taken over by the state operators of other countries, which That's, have not privatized their railways. <laughs> <laughs> Even in the United States, um, a lot of the operations uh, of commuter railroads are run by a company called Kialis, which is just uh, SNCF from uh, France. Huh. Uh, 
Yes. You know, so yes, yeah, so it's uh, it, 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 we will ultimately all be controlled by French or Italians, um, <laughs> who will it seems kill all of us. Uh, apparently, except in Italy. Yeah, well, yeah. well this is a punishment at... for not being French yeah. or Italian, is to gotta, surely be killed. Gotta look what? after your own first. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So this is. This is a very ugly wreck, which, you know, again, was caused by something very preventable. Uh, speaking of which, in other news. <laughs> uh, uh, Norfolk, they, they did it again. Yeah. This is Northern happening Southern, again. They put another train on the ground in Springfield, Ohio. Uh, this well one was not morons. hazmat. It, it, it was not as hazardous material as it was in East Palestine. Um, but it was very, it, it was caught on video, um, just the derailment occurring and it's embarrassing. Um, but I think maybe the worst aspect of this, um, there were four tank cars involved in this derailment. Two of them were carrying, well, they were all empty. Two of them had residual chemicals, which are a precursor to, uh, polyethylene. The mm. other two had diesel exhaust fluid um and diesel exhaust fluid is a fluid you add to certain you know high efficiency high performance diesel engines to reduce the amount of co2 they produce and what it is is a 35 percent uh solution of urea uh, it's, it's pee. Yes. It's, it's piss. piss. It's, yeah. it's what Nordic uh, Southern Mercedes just, uses in the uh the blue tech engines as well. Yes. Huh. So Norfolk Southern just dumped, among other things, two cars of dried piss onto the ground. <laughs> and I I am, you know, I, I know it's not hazmat, it's not dangerous, but it's insulting. Yeah. Um <laughs> Norfolk Southern is here assuming the role of Calvin pissing on the United States. The, the state of Ohio in particular. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Blew it I mean, up, it... then we pissed on it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, at least this one's not as much on the ground, like visually, as the previous one was. Uh, uh you know, I could have gotten a better picture of this because there were quite a lot of cars on the ground. Um no. Norfolk Southern. <laughs> this is just uh I, I one of these steel coil cars caused the derailment. Um how, do, do we know Norfolk anything about Southern. like how or why I, or are we just attributing it to like haunts? I don't know what caused this derailment. I don't think that information is out yet. It was not clear to me from the video what caused it. Um okay. you know, so I, I I have no idea to be honest. This could have been a lot of things if it was if it was another hot box, I wouldn't be surprised, but <laughs> oh, sure. you know, who knows? Who's to say? Yeah. Beautiful. So yeah. Norfolk Southern taking the no. piss. Yeah. All over Ohio. <laughs> all all they have to do is get bought out by uh SNCF. Or like the Italians, you know, or whoever, right? And everything will be fine. Yes, exactly. We 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 put SNCF in charge, and then we get those stylish electric locomotives, and then probably some exotic other series of failures. Mm. Um, 
No, it'll be DB Schenker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Everything I, else is. I think they have a stake in like uh, Genesee and Wyoming now. I'm not sure. Mm. Hmm. Don't quote me on that. In other news. Oh, it's bad, folks. You know, we've uh, we've unfortunately we've had to cancel our much anticipated appearance at the Grand Ole Opry because uh, Tennessee is back on their bullshit. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. it's illegal to be trans in Tennessee. It's not, not uh, just now. illegal to be trans; it's illegal to like cross dress in a theatrical production. You can't stage a couple of Tennessee Williams plays legally in Tennessee uh, at the Incredible. moment. Incredible. Um, yeah, fucking morons. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, know the people of the South of... are good people by and large, but your legislators are not. They should be taken out and beaten with sticks. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're embarrassments, right, to like normal people in, in right. like the South. Right. But uh, this is like one of about 500, that's not even an exaggeration, about 500 sort of like different anti trans or like anti drag bills. Um, a few of which have the potential to pass, like a lot of which don't. You yeah. like. This is like unambiguously like the bad thing happening, irrespective of what sort of like legal challenges follow or however it's supposed to be implemented or whatever. But equally, I think you should sort of be a bit judicious about like, especially if you are trans, who you read about this. I think you should be careful not to sort of like absorb all of the shit from accounts that just track all of these, every single one, the ones that like have no chance of passing too, and feel like this is sort of like a, a ubiquitous thing and like, you know, the fucking state cops or whatever are gonna kick your door in the next day. Because probably not, at least not necessarily. It is alarming, it's concerning, it's very bad. There's a lot of other bad shit happening. Um I, I feel comfortable calling it an attempt at genocide, uh, but equally it's not ubiquitous. And there is like resistance to this in places that like matter and like will affect it. Um, and yeah, yeah. And, you know, the other thing is, uh, state legislators are all insane people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. you know, these bills could get randomly passed anywhere, but they could also, you know, uh, someone might just shoot someone to avoid getting the thing passed because, again, state legislators. All insane oh, people. Yeah, There's no sane state legislator out there. Oh, um, yeah. You know, some of them are on our side, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's cool that like this is um, you know what the Republicans are choosing to do, like a full court press on, like nationwide is right. uh, like it's transphobia, dehumanization. Yeah, 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 exactly. And like, yeah. I don't know. I I think that's the kind of thing that loses them elections nationally if not at a state level also but that's sort of cold comfort um i ever do anything to uh, distract people from the fact that they aren't doing anything right yeah and it's and again as we've said uh don't bleep this one dev uh these people have names and addresses good luck to you sure yeah, you can write to them. You can write them a nice letter. Um yeah, yes. and then you and you can enclose something in that letter to make them have a nice time. You could, yeah, you your, could, uh, your deeply you, you, worded thoughts and feelings. Yes. You could send them a a, a nice uh, present for Friends Day. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Got to make sure your local legislators have a nice time. Yeah. Yeah. You and I mean, want them to I, have I, a bad guess, time, would you? <laughs> I guess I don't really know what to say to trans people because, like, every trans yeah, person I know, not not just in the U.S., is like 
extremely so like has a high level of baseline anxiety about this and for good reason mm. um so me That's scolding good. you about not following fucking Alexandra Carbio or like fucking Aaron Reed about this is is only one part of it. The greater part of it is like me talking to cis people, and this is like, yeah, you don't have to like fucking check in because that can be exhausting on its own, but just like be aware of the fact that this is like some heavy shit and like, you know, any sort of like resistance, allyship, comradeship along these yeah. lines is like, Closely appreciated. That's what we're here for, buddy. Right? Yeah. <sighs> I mean, you know, I, I, I perfectly rational to have uh, anxiety about it. You know, I'm waiting for some, uh, mm -hmm. I don't know, Wyoming or somewhere to pass a bill that labels us sex offenders for having a YouTube show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, listen, we've gotten to one out of fifty states where it's illegal to do a live show. Um, yes. and I look forward to that number going up, you know, I, yeah, but, I think, but, 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 but the one out of the 50 is probably one of the places where it'd be most fun to do it is the issue. Ah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Imagine our Nashville show. <laughs> Every single oh. one of us covered in rhinestones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the thing is though, uh, yeah. Nashville's, Nashville's getting too gentrified now. And that's part of the reason why it's swinging further right is that like, I read a long article on like, um, Ether.com about uh, this in part. But like, yeah, all of the stuff that made Nashville famous, like country music or like meet and threes and shit like that, is now being pushed out by like fun Nashville activities from people who like, you know, work in tech and moved from Williamsburg or moved from like the Bay Area or whatever. Fun national uh, activities are getting absolutely another, fucking smoked on Broadway. And just another, another axe throwing bar. No fun, no fun Nashville activities like having a hot chicken sandwich that isn't hot. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh uh, my god, getting wasted at the Vanderbilt uh, uh, Arboretum. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Nashville sort of uh, I, I fear is becoming like a theme park version of itself. I was always headed that way, I guess. And like we always you know, uh, we, we always do a well, we can't do a Gatlinburg show. That's the other thing. Yeah, can't even do the tacky one, you know. Yeah, <laughs> sort it out, Tennessee, Branson, yeah. Missouri. Uh, while we still can, you know. I was uh, about to say, yeah, yeah. yeah. We can go see <laughs> yeah. Uh, Yakov Smirnov. Yeah, yeah. We're in between Yakov and like Gallagher. Yeah, <laughs> come out, yeah. smash a bunch of watermelons with a sledgehammer. Isn't Gallagher dead now. Um, that, anyway. that's a great question. I don't know. Our, our message to the people of Tennessee, legalize our show. Yeah. <laughs> That's Correct right. this yeah. injustice. <laughs> <laughs> we will come to Gatlinburg. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We, we are willing to like demonstrate anything that the people of Tennessee, the good people of Tennessee need from us. We lay to it, including... siege to Dollywood, yes. Including legs. <laughs> I think we need to lay siege to Dollywood. I think Dollywood is firmly in our camp. I think Dollywood's the fucking headquarters of this shit. Uh, and we expand out from there, you know. Yes. And then we rob Taylor Swift's house. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Speaking, speaking of Nashville becoming an aesthetic, remember she used to be a country musician? Remember when she is from fucking Reading, Pennsylvania? Mm. Yeah, remember when you met her in a Walmart? Walmart? Yeah, why well, miss it? Yeah. <laughs> you keep meeting people in Walmarts. Didn't you meet John Fetterman in a Walmart too? No, I met John Fetterman uh, at the Hip City Veg. Oh, okay. Oh. Mm. 
Yeah. I met Claude yeah. Giroux in a in a in a, in a like, Man, maybe we should have put some news in about John Fetterman. That's because that's fucking sad too. Like, yeah, uh, I'm proud of him. I'm proud of our large boy for getting the help. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And uh, if you think that that means he shouldn't be serving, uh, eat the shit out of my ass. Yeah, well, you know 100%. the other thing is he's a he's a fucking senator. He he has five years to live this down. No one's gonna remember this in like yeah. I don't know twenty fifty or whenever that is. The other thing um, about the other <laughs> thing about uh, just real quick, uh, U.S. Smokeless Tobacco is headquartered in Nashville. Uh, so if y'all could fucking get it together, that'd be great. I'd like to make the pilgrimage. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that was the goddamn news. Missed you guys. Okay, so before we talk about the Love Canal, we have to ask, what is Niagara Falls? I got this one. All right, so let let me let me do this, Alice. Please. You're 19 years old. Mm-hmm. You're with your parents and your friend on a trip home from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, because you were visiting the University of Toronto. You're 18, whatever the fuck. You were visiting York University and U of T. Uh, two schools you do not even bother applying to because you do, will not get into either. Uh, your dad uh, really wants to take you to Niagara Falls, a place you've been a million times because your dad is obsessed with hydropower. Uh, <laughs> you then go to Niagara Falls and your dad drives the wrong way down the one-way bus lane, nearly killing you and the entire party in your car. He is then blocked by a bus throws his 2000 Jeep Cherokee into reverse, nearly kills an elderly woman and her grandchildren, and then says, I don't understand what the big deal is about. And then you get out of the car and look at the water, and then maybe you go on Maid of the Mist and go to the terrible casino they have there, and and then maybe you buy a five-pound Hershey bar because you're a little stressed, and maybe you eat the whole thing in the backseat of your dad's 2000 Jeep on the way home. Wow. Really painted a picture for me. Thank you. Beautiful. Crash Anderson strikes again. Oh, yeah. 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 I, uh, one day I'll tell that story on the podcast, but uh... stencil that on the side of the fucking like van, you know, it belongs on like an F 35 cockpit. But like, uh, my answer was going to be Niagara Falls is the most romantic vacation destination in an America where international travel is not yet commonplace. You watch movies from the 50s or 60s and they have like newlyweds and shit in them. They are going on their honeymoon to Niagara Falls. That's like the horniest place boomers could imagine. And I don't know why. It's just gushing. We hadn't discovered the West yet. Yeah. 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 But you like you couldn't fly anywhere really. So you just like keep going. I'll be right back. Someone's at my door. Sorry. Fine. I'm bringing my fucking doorbell. Mm. I think, yeah, so I think you Niagara just, Falls is nice. I enjoy. I enjoy going there. I've never been. I'd like to. Uh well, you know, when we when we when the uh when 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 we go to visit the race car team, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just so long yeah. as like I guess even if Michigan like decides to like pass an anti-transfer, we can look at it from the Canadian side, like the less right, impressive it's, side. Uh, it's New York. Oh, it's New York? Okay, cool. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. New York's like swinging rightwards thanks to the sort of crystal magic of Eric Adams having a sort of counterproductive effect. Um, I, I, I so. Swinging rightwards, but I don't think it'll swing rightwards in that way. I think you got enough, you got enough, uh, you know, just sort of, uh, how do I describe this? Like a, a lead weight of progressivism to counterbalance everything else. <laughs> you know, there, there's people trying to bring it right, but I don't think they're going to do anything. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, New York Republicans are weird, though, too, because, like, I mean, Trump, for one thing, and a bunch yeah. of guys like him, but then also, like, weird upstate guys, and, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's strange. It's a strange state, um, but love to visit one day. Uh, but, yeah, so, uh, Niagara Falls, um, Niagara horny, Falls, horny boomer destination. Yes. It's got a... Got, yeah, um, we just proceed with the uh, the the podcast here. It's got yeah, I, th- I think so. One hundred and sixty-seven feet of elevation change between Lake Erie and Lake Ontario, which is a yeah, good thing like and a bad huge, thing. huge sort of watershed that just dumps straight over like cliffs and like has yes. been eroding those cliffs back for the past however many thousands of years. Yeah, um, you got the you got the two falls. You got the Canadian and American falls. Which one is, Although, do we know which one's which? I think the Canadian one's the one on the left that looks like dog shit, and the American yeah, one's can, the cool one can, on the right. Can, no, the Canadian Falls are the Horseshoe Falls. Oh, Lee. okay, fuck. Okay. Wow. Well, you know I what? Gotta, I apologize I gotta, to the, the nation of Canada for impugning the, the falls. I gotta, I gotta check the border here. Um, you know, because the US Canadian uh, border is fucking weird as hell, too. Um, oh, yeah. Yes, the American Falls are actually in America. Okay. Because I was uh, I was confused when I was looking at it earlier, and I was like, "Wait, the American Falls are in Canada? No, they're in America." Um. <laughs> <laughs> what else about Niagara Falls? Oh yeah, you could like die going over these in a barrel if you wanted for a long or time. Or sometimes you live. Yeah, very occasionally. Um, a guy tightrope walked over them at one point. Also, it was um, a nice guy. It was a delivery for the wrong fucking house. Oh, Beautiful. So, uh, yeah, we were talking about how Amer- uh, like Niagara Falls is a repository to a large amount of like American bullshit. Yeah, uh, tightrope walkers, uh, guys yeah, in barrels. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The suspension bridge, which no longer exists. <laughs> there's a really cool, the rock that fell in, uh, I think that was on the Canadian side. Uh, there's a sick whirlpool. Uh, Niagara on the lake is a really cute little tourist trap that I've loved since it's I was got a kid. Like a, I, I hear that it's got a microclimate that makes it very good for wines. Yes, wow. uh, some absolutely uh, incredible uh, ice wine heard, country up I, there too. I heard that from a Canadian guy. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> he does podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Shout out to the friend of the pod, Riley, uh, my boss yes. at Trash Future. Yes. <laughs> um, so this is a good and bad thing having this big elevation drop. We'll stop. We'll start with why it's a bad thing, which mm. is it's bad for shipping, right? Yeah, it turns yeah, out you, taking a hundred what sixty eight foot free fall is is bad for cargo. You yeah, can't put like a grain carrier over this, you know. Yeah. No, especially if you want to go up. Uh, <laughs> that that's even harder. <laughs> We've got like a sort of a 400 mile long system of locks, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it's uh, really easy to ship a whole bunch of stuff on the Great Lakes because they're, they're, uh, you know, these big freshwater lakes. And that means you can build a ship and it lasts forever. That's how it's uh, the Evans Fitzgerald. Yeah. Wow. Pour one out. I mean, it's still there. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like uh like the thing about plane crashes you know no one's ever left one up there yet 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the freshwater shipping is interesting because a, a boat will last like a hundred years easily. Um, so, you know, your solution here is, you know, if you want to go between two different lakes that are at different elevations, you need some canals, right? Mm. Um, and there's several canals in the region by the late 1800s, right? The big one was the Erie Canal that went from Buffalo to New York City. It's still in operation in the late 1800s. It's actually still in operation today. There's a very small amount of commercial shipping on it. Um, but a lot of that, a lot of that traffic was being taken by railroads. Uh, but your interlake shipping was being facilitated by uh, the Welland Canal, in our case, the third Welland Canal. And that had 26 locks, which were 45 feet wide and 270 feet long. And that allowed ships of a fairly respectable size for the day and uh, to, to pass through. And those were much larger than any ocean-going ships that could potentially come up the St. Lawrence River. So, you know, the, uh, the interlake shipping was very much a thing in the late 1800s, which is, you know, sort of the period we're going to be talking about. For sure. Is this it here, the, the Welland Canal? This is the fourth Welland Canal. Oh, okay. Uh, which was built in the 1930s. And that one is still out in operation today. It's cool. I like it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they got a bunch of, bunch of big locks. Put your big ships on there, you know. Um, but this elevation change is also a good thing because you can extract energy from water flowing downhill. Ooh, what the fuck kind of like... Mount Patmos Monastery built into the side of a mountain. Shit, is this? Looks hey, incredible. How much you stopped? Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, this is no, a bunch huge. Of, it's magnificent. Yeah, yeah, it's a bunch of industry uh, that was built onto the side the of the Niagara. <laughs> yeah, this is built onto the side of the Niagara Escarpment. And they diverted water from the falls, used it to power water, uh, water wheels and turbines and stuff, then discharged it back in the river. Right, so. Niagara Falls. Every factory his own hydroelectric power station. Yes. Yes. So uh, Niagara Falls was this huge source of like free energy for industry in, you know, the the late 19th century. Uh, Lots of people located their factories there um, because it was cheap and it was very efficient. And, uh, you know, so this is how Niagara Falls becomes this early center of in- industry as much as it was a uh, tourist destination. I, a- I I have kind of a stupid question. Uh, wouldn't know the answer. Uh, is proximity to both the United States and Canada advantageous at this time? I mean, I have to assume it is. Like, is that like a, a, a reason for its development? Or is it just like, ooh, big fall go boom? But Toronto is right there. Yeah. Buffalo so, too. you know, you've got a, you know, that that's a big city. Um, but I think the free energy is really the, uh, the kind the of kickstarter, big, the big kickstarter mm. here. Yeah. Um, I just, I just really love this, like this photo. I want to make a sort of like beautiful little diorama of it, you know? Oh yeah. It's be nice on a model railroad or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No one does like model canals, which is a shame, I think. You do sort of a rain gutter regatta. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So there was this guy named William T. Love. 
right? Uh oh. And he is some guy who made a lot of money off of railroad investment. I one of the problems with this guy is we don't actually know a lot about him. Um, well, like sort of. It, a, it, we have sort of a deflational problem here, a deflationary problem in that, like back in the eighteen nineties or whatever, there were like a million like guys, and now there's only like two or three guys. Yeah, I, that 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 is true. You know, back back in the eighteen hundreds, it was like, you know, you you could become a millionaire by like w- with like fifty dollars. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> no, and everybody was like running like schemes and angles and shit. Yes. Whereas like now, only a fraction of people are doing that. Yeah, I'm doing a scheme, or I'm doing a what's another bunkum, hokum, yeah. things of this Hulk-um. nature. Yes, exactly. Snake oil. Yeah. So uh, he's sort of this music man type character, right? Oh boy. Yeah. He he comes in, he talks a big talk, and then he leaves. Um, this is about 1890. Um, he wants to build just north of the city of Niagara Falls, which is a cross-border city. Um, he wants to build what he is going to call Model City New York. Right? Wow, that's hey, a, a new town. Catchy, what a catchy title. Yes. A oh, new cool. town, yes. Um, so this is going to be your ideal city built north of the town. I already circled this. I don't know why I circled it again. Um, Emphasis. You know, this Emphasis is going to be the wrong syllable. Sorry. It's going to be built for 2 million people. It's going to have parks. Fuck what? <laughs> yeah. It's going to have parks. It's going to have high quality housing. It's going to have a rational street grid. It's going to have good sanitation. It's going to have high-tech factories he's trying to build he's trying to build neom right (laughs) no this is the this this is is the (laughs) american this is the american neom (laughs) trump said he's gonna do american neom so he's bringing it back yeah he's bringing it back yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and in order to power it all he's going to build a canal oh this is also going to be a dry town by the way of course it's a model city you know, why, why wouldn't it be a model of temperance? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> In order to as opposed power to, it. As opposed to Ransomville up here, which is a model town dedicated to the idea of kidnapping. Yes. <laughs> so in order to power it, right, because he wants it to be a fully electric city, he needs a nearby source of energy, right? And there's, you know... Two lakes, a substantial change in elevation between them. So the obvious solution was to build a canal and a clean, efficient hydroelectric plant right in the center of Model City, right? And this canal would go 14 miles uh, from East Niagara Falls down here uh, to Lake Ontario. Um, But in the reverse direction of what I just Mm. mentioned. Um, I like the uh, mm-hmm. nipple diagram you've drawn here. Yes. <laughs> so, now, by 1892, his ambitions had broadened. The canal would not only be supplying power, uh, it would be for maritime shipping between the lakes for much larger ships than the nearby Welland Canal over here could do. Also, it'd be an American canal as opposed to a Canadian canal. 
So making just... canals is like miserable work. It's worse than making railroads. Like that's why Stalin had to have like like political prisoners do it and shit. You know? Yes. Yeah, it's uh, hard work. You got to dig a lot of stuff. You know, that's why they don't do them so much. Especially um, in like 1890s, like you got like what, like steam hammers and shit. But like yeah, you don't, you got you got you got steam shovels and Mike Mulligans. Um, <laughs> book is a so, Mike Mulligan. Mm-hmm. It's a Mike Mulligan and his steam shovel. It's a children's book. I, we don't have that it was here. Oh, great book! Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> The steam shovel digs itself into a hole and then can't yeah, get yeah, out. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Virginia <laughs> Lee Burton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So this was going to be one of the the great wonders of the world, right? So construction begins in earnest in East Niagara Falls in 1895. Or 1894, excuse me. But in the meantime, events are occurring. We have to talk about some guys. Hmm. Oh, so we have here okay. George Westinghouse. Oh, fuck Tom- no. No, 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 no. <laughs> Thomas Edison. Nikola Tesla. Oh, right? oh for three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just don't respect a man without a mustache. <laughs> Reasonable. Someone out there He's is keeping a big list of like stuff that you don't respect. It's, it's a got, lot. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 Thomas Edison is definitely the, 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 the least of these three. Anyway, so Thomas Edison's electric lighting system gets sort of Viciously fully into gear. A bunch of elephants. Oh my god, this gets into gear in the late eighteen seventies, right? He's, uh, he's supplying electricity. It's the sort of low voltage direct current system. Uh, first, it's for powering street lights, then later lighting people's houses and businesses directly. Like, you know, they have actual lights inside the buildings, right? Mm. But your direct current had a problem. It could not be transmitted very far because of its low voltage. Yeah, the so, electrons aren't wiggling enough to like have enough energy to get. No, the electrons are. The electrons are just going, you know, straight. They're going, they're going around the whole circuit as opposed to wiggling back and forth. Mm. Um, so this requires lots of small power stations, which are in the middle of populated areas, and resulted in a whole bunch of competing electric lighting companies, all of which had technology just different enough to get around Edison's patents, right? <laughs> And this is how, uh, in, in several places, but not mostly New York City, uh, the air above the streets becomes this horrible mess of electric wires. Um, like because a, there's all these... I'm just in like a weird cast of mind that I just like, everything you show me, I'm like, wow, that's beautiful, because I'm really fucking tired. But I'm like, yeah. no, this is nice. I like this. It's, this is uh, like modernity happening. It's cool. Is this not a guy about to be... Uh, brutally executed here. Oh, that bottom, is a guy right? about to be executed very much, yeah. Oh, yeah, um, that's, that's down there, yeah. That's the leader uh, in the slide. Yeah, I don't understand why they should probably at least, you know, execu- execution is cruel and inhumane, except when I'm doing it. But even so, like, back up a little bit, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so all these streets, particularly in New York City, become this big mess because there's all these competing power companies 
Then there's telegraph uh, wires, telephone wires. There's burglar alarm wires. There's fire alarm wires because back then the burglar alarm or the fire alarm was just a wire that went straight to the police or the uh, uh, the fire department. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, worse still, if you needed a voltage other than 110 volts, you needed to have an entirely separate line oh. run from a separate power power station to your business. Right. So there's there's there. This this whole thing is a huge mess with early DC electrical power. Um, so this other guy, George Westinghouse, who invented our nation's Civil War era braking systems on railroads. <laughs> 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 he wants in on the electric light business, right? And he read about these new developments in alternating current technology in Europe. Um, I just noticed something. He, George Westinghouse also looks uncannily like Pete Buttigieg wearing a bad disguise. <laughs> yeah. Uh. You put a fake. You put like a stage mustache on him. And like, I, sort was, of, I was wondering what Pete Buttigieg looked like if he were a bear, but yeah, yeah and that's the answer. <laughs> Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> so here's about new developments in alternating current. Alternating current at this time in the United States was used for these huge things called moonlight towers, which is essentially, you know, uh, you have a, a giant street light that's like 110 feet tall. And there's just like two giant light bulbs on it. Big and you light up like town that way. Fuck. Oh, like ba Batman, bring those uh, back. Batman Arkham City sort of deals. Yeah. yeah. They, they still they still have them in Austin, Texas. I'm gonna look um, this up right the fuck now. Yeah. <laughs> but this what this, that this, rules. Yeah. This alternating current was considered because it ran at high voltages was considered too dangerous for indoor use, right? Oh, boo. So some Hungarian guys, we have, oh boy, it's going to be tough. What? Oh, we God. have Karoli Zipernowski. Ah, uh -huh. We have uh -huh. Otto Blathy. We uh -huh. have Mixa Dairy right here. Um, they develop a new technology called the transformer, right? Robots in disguise. It's yeah. not allowed in Tennessee anymore. No. In, a, in 1884, right? Um, now, because of science, transformers only work with alternating current. Um, I don't know why. I tried to look it up, and I didn't understand it. Electrical engineering <laughs> is magic. Witchcraft. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. Only they can talk to the, to the uh, fucking little electrons, you know. What this means is you can step up or step down voltage arbitrarily, and higher voltage means you can transmit the electricity farther distances without losing any uh, any power in there, right? Yeah, you can see an implementation of this idea in the video game uh, Workers and Resources, Soviet so Republic. Republic. Yes. So here's the idea, right? Instead of having many power plants supplying small areas, why not have one big power plant generating high voltage and transmitted an arbitrary distance and then step down the voltage at or near the customer, right? Sure. 
So Westinghouse jumps on this idea. He buys the patents in the United States, right? Alternating current was practical for lighting, but it wasn't really until 1888. Nikola Tesla comes through. He invents an alternating current motor, right? Now you have a complete electricity system, which is suitable for home use, industrial use, so on and so forth, right? Um, They set up a demonstration system in Great Barrington, Massachusetts, which worked perfectly, no transmission loss over 4,000 feet, which was just under the range of the DC systems, um, but with much higher performance. Uh, Edison gets really worried at this point because the AC system is so vastly superior to his dumbass DC system, <laughs> right? Um, you need fewer wires. The wires are smaller. It benefits from economies of scale. He starts this PR campaign to demonstrate that AC was dangerous, which initially it was because your wire insulation was really bad. People kept getting randomly electrocuted by shorted wires. Uh, you know, and that's that's just from the fact that there's so many wires and so many electric companies and electric companies are showing of like being founded and then going bust so frequently that, you know, you'd have. Four million wires and like 4,000 of them were from defunct companies. So they just short each other out occasionally. You'd be like work. You would be like you, you, you would touch your telegraph in your office and get a 4,000 volt shock. Must um, <laughs> <laughs> so people were constantly getting randomly electrocuted by this stuff. Now, th- this is also it's a very New York City centric problem because most other cities uh, made you bury the wires. Um, but New York City did not do that. Um, uh, but this does receive outsized, uh, press because it's New York City, right? <laughs> but this is like not, uh, not sort of a, uh, inherent problem of the AC system. It's just a result of high voltages. Mm. Um, and another guy, Harold Pidney Brown, he takes up the cause, right? He writes the New York Post. He says these electrical companies are recklessly endangering the public with cheap AC electricity. He says that the AC systems must be limited to 300 volts. Eventually become, comes before the New York Board of Electrical Control um, and a bunch of uh, electrical engineers just mock him because he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> so he you tries... can get a recreation of this experience in the comments. Yes. So he tries another idea. Um, well, if the if the if the board of electrical control isn't going to listen to me, maybe the public will. I'll do this through a stunt, which is to torture and kill stray dogs. Yeah. Again, one of the sort of like bangers of the like eighteen nineties. You know, you could do yeah. anything by killing stray dogs, sort of just around yes, it. I, people love doing that shit back then. <laughs> Bad times <laughs> to like, be a stray dog. Yeah, or already any animal. Like you, you could just sort of anytime you're at a sort of crossroads in your life, you could go, What if I did some animal cruelty about this? And it would be a pretty yeah. safe bet that it would work. Yes. He did several public demonstrations showing the relative safety of direct current versus alternating current by shocking dogs with direct current at increasing voltages and then doing one shock at alternating current which invariably killed the dog. Some, sometimes he'd do this multiple times a day. <laughs> what the fuck, guy? <laughs> Get help. 
Or be executed. I, I don't mind when people who are cruelly animals are, are gruesomely well, executed. Well, that's a good segue here. This catches the eye of the New York, the state of New York's justice system who want a new way to kill people. Oh, right? Well. So Harold is appointed to the board to determine what kind and how much electricity to use the new electric chair. Great. Um, now, to demonstrate, great, to demonstrate to the board and the press that alternating current was what was needed, uh, he uses it to kill several cows and a horse. Oh, look at him in the chaff. <laughs> South Carolina uses the electric chair in the 50s on a 14-year-old black boy. Look it up. Oh, boy. Incidentally, the um, like execution official uh, for this is euphemistically called the uh, the state electrician, which is in my head as one of the sort of like all time examples of like bureaucratic euphemism. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, this is another thing designed to smear the reputation of alternating current. Um, the first use of the electric chair was on August sixth, eighteen ninety with Westinghouse generators and equipment. Um, and the technicians in charge botched it, and the victim writhed in pain on the chair for several minutes while they tried to shock him to death. Yeah, Westinghouse, said they, Westinghouse said they could have done better with an axe. Yes. <laughs> and then the New York Sun reported two weeks later that uh, Harold was on the payroll of Edison Electric. Uh, but... Uh, nevertheless, this PR campa campaign went on. You know, they kept electrocuting animals and people, right? Until Thomas Edison left his electrical company in 1890 to pursue other projects. And then the company instantly uh, switched to uh, producing alternating current uh, systems mm. because direct current mm. was so stupid. Mm. Um, mm. Interesting and thus, how that works. Thus ended the War of the Currents. One of the dumbest slap fights in history. Yeah, uh, standard fights are are great fun. Uh, you guys remember Blu-ray and HD DVD, and then there was the third one that I can never remember that uh, Techmoon did. Oh, uh, got to do, uh, do laser um, discs. Yeah, bring them yeah, back cool. laser discs. Love that. <laughs> love that. Under Thomas, at War of the Currents, there's a categories: cruelty to animals. <laughs> An essential feature. Also, Techmon, great channel. Uh, we're just recommending recommending stuff here now. But what right, relevance but what is, does what this, does this have, have to do with, with the fucking the model shit? city? Yeah. The practical impl implication of this is that William T. Love's model city was de designed around the central concept. You needed a big, centralized hydroelectric power plant Serving the entire city with 110 volt DC power. Uh, just pushing like big, dumb, slow electrons through fucking yes. those, like weak ass wires. Okay. And by 1894, it was clear that DC was on its way out and AC was the new thing. Industries didn't need to locate next to power plants or along rivers anymore. Power plants could be very large, they could be distant from population centers. The impetus behind the canal. Uh, was gone, you know, power generation. But the work continued for a while. Uh, William Love laid out a street grid at Model City. There were a few streets and houses built uh, and shops and so on, but the canal was doomed. Um, you know, the nearby Welland Canal was widened 
into the third Welland Canal, uh, which meant Love's shipping canal would be redundant, right? Mm -hmm. And then the Panic of 1893 caused most investors to pull out of the project. Mm. There was still work continuing at a very slow pace for a long time, but the thing that really put the kibosh on a project was a law meant to preserve Niagara Falls in 1906, which prevented diversion of more water out of the Niagara River because so many people had been diverting it for factories and bullshit. Oh, they're just uh, like, oh, it looks like shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> William T. Love moved on to other projects. Model City remained a hamlet, as it is to this day. Do we know anything about what, what he went on to do? No. Oh, he disappeared. Okay. Completely disappeared. <laughs> uh, went over the falls. Went yeah. over the falls. Yeah. Is that his real name? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Ironically, despite its environmentally friendly conception, Model City is now home to an enormous landfill owned by waste management. Oh, yeah, they have like a nuclear waste dump there now. (laughs) (laughs) So the canal, uh, what was excavated of the canal was about a mile in East Niagara Falls, New York, and it just sort of sat there for several decades. No one knew what to do with it. Um, Check out our famous hole. Yeah, it's a big hole. Come to the hole. Until <laughs> 1920, when the city of Niagara Falls started dumping garbage into it. Hey, free landfill. Oh, yeah, it's just a big hole. Throw some garbage in the hole. Yeah. Hold on, I'm going to try and change the slide, but I have a cat in my face. Aw. <laughs> Which one? It's milkshake. Hey, Milkshake. I'm milkshake. So now we have to Roz, talk about Roz. Micheladas now come in twelve packs. Roz. Oh my god. Yeah. Now we have to talk about the Hooker Electrochemical Company. Oh, don't call him that. <laughs> Put a businessman on the job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> god damn it, milkshake! I can't see the notes. Well, first of all, you got a guy called Elon, which is never good. Yeah, oh, he's the guy. Oh yes, yeah, so Elon Huntington Hooker founded Jesus. The, <laughs> the Hooker Electrochemical Company in 1903 to produce chlorine and caustic soda. Uh, this dude killed 400,000 people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was sited in Niagara Falls because of the cheap electricity needed to make the process of electrolyzing salt profitable. Uh, these products were its core business, but the company diversified into more products like dyes, perfumes, solvents, so on and so forth. All of this created a whole lot of nasty chemical waste that had to be dealt with. But a really cool tank car livery. Oh yeah, the bright orange tank cars. Mm. I wonder. I wonder who made this. This is for uh, some video game. You know, I, very very well modeled. Um, you know, you got all the. Uh, um, Actually, very low poly, considering the amount of detail. Uh, yeah, some handsome crazy. person did that, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> Look at all the little rivets on that. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Oh. Hi, it's Justin. Uh, so this is a commercial for the podcast that you're already listening to. 
Uh, people are annoyed by these, so let me get to the point. We have this thing called Patreon, right? The deal is you give us two bucks a month, and we give you an extra episode once a month. Uh, sometimes it's a little inconsistent, but, you know, it's two bucks. You get what you pay for. Um, it also gets you our full back catalog of bonus episodes, so you can learn about exciting topics like guns, pickup trucks, or pickup trucks with guns on them. The money we raise through Patreon goes to making sure that the only ad you hear on this podcast is this one. Anyway, that's something to consider if you have two bucks to spare each month. Uh, join at patreon.com forward slash WTYPpod. Do it if you want. Or don't. It's your decision, and we respect that. Back to the show. So in 1942, they received permission from the city of Niagara Falls to start dumping waste into the Love Canal. So the canal was drained. They put a very thick clay lining on the bottom. And they just started rolling barrels of all kinds of nasty things into the big ditch. Right? Oh, good. That's just clay on there. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's impervious barrier. You got to stop worrying about that. Yeah. They just threw any old stuff in there. They threw about 22,000 tons of it in there. Great. Mm -hmm. About 10 years later, in 1952, the company begins to notice, you know, there's a lot of residential development around this canal. Mm. Well, we were here first. Keep dumping, boys. (laughs) Maybe we should avoid future liability, find a new dumping site. Don't Don't give up the ship. Come on. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, have the courage of your convictions. Keep burying stuff in there. So the Niagara Falls City School Board comes to the rescue. Um, so this is the 1950s. Niagara Falls is not sort of the post-industrial wasteland it currently is. Yeah, um, I, I notice. <laughs> I, I note the different color of the grass. Yeah. <laughs> Like city um, skylines, you got a fucking pollution overlay in real life. <laughs> the city is growing. It needed a new school, right in the growing neighborhood of Love Canal, right. And this is the sort of up and coming middle class neighborhood. It had lots of kids. It had lots of young couples, right? Sure. Yeah, and I can so, assume only good things are going to happen from here on out, right? Well, like, this is America, like, those are the people bad stuff isn't supposed to happen to. Well, have I got news for you. (laughs) So the school board begins the process of condemning nearby properties, but they negotiated directly with Hooker Chemical Company, right? And Hooker sold this property to the school board for a nominal fee of $1. Wow, what a stipulation! Oh, boy. With the stipulation that Hooker Chemical could not be sued for any future contamination, injury, illness, or death resulting from the chemical dump on the property. Genius. I feel like you got to ask some questions if you're the no, school board no, about that. Fine. Well, they're not no, going to. So. Nothing <laughs> wrong with it. They put an in- impermeable clay barrier. Yeah, it's uh, like that, that's, in, that's in like all the contracts, probably. So why even worry about it? Yeah, this is why exactly. you read the terms and conditions, folks. Yeah, and the school. Yeah, the school board was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Oh, they're definitely um, not going to eat shit just in a minute here. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the caretaker of these 22,000 tons of hazardous chemicals 
was no longer a chemical company that had experience with hazardous waste. It was the school board. Well, I know yes. that yes. I know <laughs> some, some, some attention that you, uh, as as a nation, elect only the most qualified people to your school yes. boards. Yes, the dumbest oh, yeah, we, possible outcome. I was about to say, we were talking about state legislators being insane. School board guys, oh my god. Oh yeah, cuckoo bananas. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, buddy. <laughs> So Hooker Chemical, before before they handed over control of the property, they installed an impermeable clay surface <laughs> atop the pile of drums, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then they built right around here, I believe, the 99th Street Elementary School. Cool. Uh, or as you may know it, Xavier Academy. Yes. Yeah. If you look at... <laughs> If you look at uh, the actual boundary of the site is something like this. Mm-hmm. So in the process of construction, workers came across several barrels of chemical waste and the project architect recommended moving the school to a location that wasn't on a hazardous waste dump. Instead, the school board said, right, move it 85 feet north where there aren't any barrels. Oh, okay. But 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 that. So you just move that whole sort of like square up a bit. Yeah. Yep. You just do a little side step. Fuck them kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Later, some of the adjacent land to the canal was sold to developers, who built houses on them and sold them on to happy new owners. It was largely they had uh, to have like been fucking digging up barrels and shit like and they had to have known don't right? dig in your yard call 811 before I mean, you dig I, yeah but i mean the developers right like oh, yeah they oh, do don't worry about that yeah okay. cuz there's several streets that were built and while they were building the streets and digging the sewers um they they breached the clay lining and were constantly digging up barrels of uh, chemical waste yeah cool. <laughs> But these uh, these developers were under no obligation to inform the new owners that there was a giant chemical waste uh, dump in their backyard. Because um, no houses were built directly on top of the site. They were built immediately adjacent to it. And then the giant, the, the canal itself was your backyard. <laughs> cool. Okay. All of America. But it was sort of mm-hmm. like advertised as like, ah, this is this nice wide open recreational field, you know? <laughs> Don't let your kids eat the dirt. Pretty early on, though, things started to seem off, right? Because uh, there were all these weird lumps appearing in the field. There'd be like holes. There'd be like, you know, all kinds of stuff. Uh, kids would get rashes if they were playing in the field barefoot. Uh as I mentioned, workers who were installing sewers and new streets, they noticed foul odors that seared their throat. Uh, they kept running into barrels, barrels with some kind of surface on their own. Uh, this impermeable clay lining was punctured by construction numerous times, including uh, at least one occasion where it was excavated deliberately and used as fill on another part of the site. Hey, reduce, reuse, recycle. Yeah, exactly. sure. 
But, you know, minor problems. Development just continued, right? Now, simultaneous to this, we get this thing called the Environmental Protection Agency. Thank you, Richard Nixon. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Got bullied into it. And, uh, yeah. you know, now it gets to be a sort of like fun, like piece of trivia. Like, uh, Richard Nixon was more like more progressive than like any Republican president since. Yeah. Also, yeah, but... uh, legal services where yeah. my parents used to work. So this this has to be viewed in the context of America in the 1950s through the 1980s. Bad, bad, bad. Pollution was crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, there was litter everywhere. You know, half the landscape is abandoned cars because you bought a new one each year. Um, rivers caught fire, not just oh. in Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> that episode is coming. Don't worry. Shut up. Mm. There were there were city buildings. They were all covered in soot and, and diesel emissions. And yeah, yeah. It, the whole yeah, thing every, smelled every, like Quebec. Everything looked <laughs> terrible. Um, There's hazardous waste that was disposed of haphazardly, basically everywhere. Or maybe they burned it right frequently near residential neighborhoods. This is you know, the, the whole... point at which, like, uh, you know, the, the like popular science or popular mechanics or whatever will tell you how to change your oil and when you go what do you, what do I do with the used oil they go you know Slop dig a out. hole put it in the ground uh, I was the first time Crid was in York I was driving her around and she said why is everyone burning their trash and I had to explain that you simply don't worry about it yeah I mean this is why like a whole generation of American politicians are also like climate change deniers is because they had fixed in their heads this idea that, like, in the environment is when there's a big fucking, like, you know, smokestack coming off right, and, like, yeah. depositing acid rain directly onto your shit, right? That's why, but, like, whenever Trump talked about, like, climate change or whatever, he was so inconsistent about it because, like, you talk to him about the environment and he'd go, like, yeah, we're going to have, like, the most beautiful, cleanest water, uh, like, clean air and shit, because that was relatively uncontroversial because people don't, like, smog. And like yeah. are able to get their heads around that as opposed to shit like climate change, which they aren't. Yeah, this is back in the day when the accepted way to dispose of used car batteries was to just burn them in giant burn pits. Is that yeah, not now we should have been doing? Now we throw mm -hmm. them in the ocean, obviously, but it's a safe and legal throw. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, sort of Nixon's EPA was as much as anything sort of a reorganization of existing federal programs to clean up pollution, right? But Congress moved pretty quickly to give it a lot more powers under the Clean Air Act of 1970, the Clean Water Act of 1972. You know, the EPA's power and influence continually increased under the Nixon administration, uh, which is probably not what Nixon wanted, but, you know, <laughs> Congress passed those bills. I mean... <laughs> He was he was kind of busy with the like uh, bureaucracies that he was trying to suborn, you know. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, well, you know, I got this whole new agency. It seems nice. I can do a lot of stuff with it. Anyway, um, and you have these really effective campaigns against you know visible pollution, right? Like smog, like trash, stuff like that. CO two was not regulated, and it still isn't. But that's a different <laughs> story. But the, 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 the EPA was very, very effective. Um, and they hired an Italian man to uh, <laughs> pretend to be Native American. Yeah. And tell yes. you that, like, when, when you litter, you make him cry. 
Yes. Well, this is this is actually a, 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 an ad campaign from a, a private company, Keep America Beautiful Incorporated, but it's sort of associated with that er- era. Mm. Is the the crying Indian advertisement, which was I am crying Eyes Italian. Cody. Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> so anyway, we get this new environmental protection agency. What do they do? Um, you know, we start getting. Serious signs of trouble in uh, the Love Canal neighborhood, right? Um, one thing, it turned that kid into a box. It did Rich. turn the kid into a box. Yes. Can't even afford clothing. He has to have a box, which is the modern version of a barrel. Um, <laughs> you can go over the falls. I don't yeah. think you can go over the falls in a box. Yeah, I don't think that's survivable. <laughs> Sorry, kiddo. I love so, how they phrase this like a cocktail recipe. You know, you go to a bar, you're like, give me a love canal. Give me give me 82 chemicals and 25 <laughs> years. <laughs> <laughs> Takes forever to make. It's worse than fucking Guinness or like a Ramos Gen Fizz. <laughs> so there, there had been this, um, you know, situation for a long time that uh, folks had noticed, you know, they would get random chemical puddles after it rained in their backyard, but no one really thought much about it. Um, a few particularly hard winters hit Niagara Falls, most notably in 1975 and 1976. Uh, all the snowmelt caused the water table to rise. Uh-oh. And all of a sudden, this impermeable clay barrier, which Eat now shit. had lots of holes in it, um, you know, the water table rose above that all the leaking chemicals came to the surface. Um, and this meant that folks in the Love Canal neighborhood found they had nasty, sticky black residue in their basements. Their sump pump stopped working and the plants were dying in their backyards. There was chemical odors everywhere. <laughs> what's interesting to me really about this is the extent to which people sort of who are interviewed by uh, like the local journalists who are first looking into this story viewed it as like, a nuisance at first, like, oh, there's gross puddles or whatever, it's unpleasant, like, you have to drain it and shit, but it's not, like, a health threat. And, like, some of that's genuine, like, uh, sort of, sort of, attitude, and some of it's also the fact that Hook a Chemical Company is still, like, 3,000 jobs in Niagara mm-hmm. Falls. Yes. Some of it's also, like, oh, gee, I don't want to move. Please don't yeah. make me have to move. Understandable. Especially if like you don't have any savings, you're still paying off the mortgage, and like when when shit gets bad later or worse later, it's like you can't sell the house. No one will buy it from you. Right. Yes. Uh, you get these sort of abnormally high rates of birth defects. You get lots of miscarriages. You get lots of kids with intellectual disabilities, right? And very high rates of unexplained illness in people. Um. And the Niagara Gazette starts this sort of extensive and long-running investigation starting in 1976. But it took years for anyone to start to try and address the problem, right? Yeah. They had this reporter, Michael H. Brown, who, like, uh, you know, does door-to-door surveys and stuff and, like, uh, really, like, bothers people in power about this. Um, but it, it sort of, to no avail for, like, years. Yeah, there's like a long, drawn-out process where people slowly become start to realize, huh, this might actually be an issue. This may be a problem. 
Um, there's a really bad blizzard in 1977. Uh, 45 inches of snow fall on Niagara Falls. The water table is high enough at this point that, you know, there's, there's just chemicals killing the grass in the fields. Nothing grows there. Everything turns black and nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the whole neighborhood looks like shit because it's, you know, a chemical wasteland. Um, and this woman named Lois Gibbs starts to put all these problems together in 1978. Uh, Lois's son had epilepsy and asthma and a whole bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. She managed to find out that, huh, her five-year-old son's elementary school was built on top of a toxic waste dump. Oh. Who could have foreseen this? Hmm. Perhaps the school board, maybe. Yeah. This is a thought. So she and a few other people start this door-to-door effort to get enough support to create something called the Love Canal Homeowners Association. This is not the bad kind of homeowners association <laughs> where, you know, where they regulate where you can put your trash can. This well, because like, the thing is, they can't regulate your lawn because nothing grows on it. Yeah, you, say, you're having yeah. a bad time, and congratulations. Sort of, you have three well, kinds you, of cancer no one's ever heard of. You're sort of eldritch horrors growing on your lawn. That's the yeah. only thing you can reliably grow. Hey, listen, homeowners associations may be fascist again. tyranny, uh, but you have to have faith that they are sort of like the thin blue line between you and eldritch chemical horrors. You know, <laughs> This is true, yeah. Um, a few other organizations show up. There's uh, a Renters Association, which is mostly African-American in the neighborhood who plays a role. Um, you know, folks are mad. They want someone to take action, but there really isn't anyone who can take action. There's no procedure for dealing with a problem like this. There's no uh, government agency who's in charge of this. Nominally, the EPA is, but they can't really do anything. Yeah. It's, Maybe it's you could try I had a look at like local politicians and stuff, and I found the like uh, local health commissioner, like I think I think it was a county official, said that you know they they did some testing and stuff, and he said it's um, exposure to like such and such a chemical is like it's only as dangerous as smoking a couple of cigarettes, yeah, a a famously healthy activity, (laughs) you know, inspiring Um, confidence, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the uh, the 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 mayor was just like, eh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Great. Yeah. No no one wants to like address any of these problems, even though they're, they're at this point so obvious, right? Um it's not until nineteen seventy-eight that the relatively new EPA gets involved, and after just a little bit of testing, they realize how bad the problem is, right? Um yeah, it's 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 so bad that there's there's one detail in uh, an article I found where you know the guy goes to interview some people and he goes outside and there's like one tree left in the whole neighborhood, like on their lawn. And the leaves are like oily to the touch. Um, <laughs> there's all kinds of nasty chemicals down there. There's mostly, um, you know, there's sort of these uh, precursor chemicals to chlorine and stuff like that. But you know, there's, there's there's so much crap down there that like no one. I don't think it's ever been like established what was down there. Um, I know there's a whole bunch of dioxin, which is one of the nastier ones. Oh yeah, by 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 far the nastiest. Um, yeah. And it again to keep citing Michael Brown, the thing that I really like is that he draws an explicit sort of colonial violence metropole fucking comparison and goes, "Oh yeah, dioxin. You mean the shit that is in Agent Orange? 
and is the reason why they had to stop using Agent Orange, mm. uh, that chemical. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the EPA found like sort of fairly huge concentrations of dioxin in like people's yes. sump pumps and stuff. Right. Yeah, real, real nasty. And of course, if it's in the sump oh, yeah. pump, I'm sure that stuff's being aerosolized in your basement. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think they worked out at one point that the for one of the basements they measured the sort of like safe exposure time was like two point four minutes or something like that. Swept. <laughs> so. You know, 1978, the EPA gets involved. Um, the New York State Health Commissioners granted emergency powers, and they decide, okay, we're until we can fix this problem, we're going to evacuate children and pregnant women from the area. Yeah, the evacuation sort of like weirdly inconsistent too. Um, yes. Like they evacuate sort of like one part that they think is most seriously affected, but another part that is like increasingly like obviously also affected. They just leave. For a while, um, but also they they are sort of like forced to concede one thing, which is that like uh, the residents are so concerned that like the shit leaking out of the ground will explode that they make the state stage like seventy five buses at like right. just a parking lot nearby in case like it catches fire or explodes or something like that, and they have to like evacuate everyone immediately. So these buses are just like sat there parked like, for like, oh, years. Yeah. Yeah, for years while this goes on, while this rumbles on through the like just the got system. drivers there just sitting there like smoking all It's not as bad. Yeah, I think they just like showed up, parked the buses there, and like left. But yeah, like the uh, I, I'm imagining sort of like the old B fifty two program where the the jets could be in the air in like two minutes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you scramble to your evacuation bus. Yeah, yeah. But uh. Yeah, they they closed the 99th Street School, the one that's built directly on the chemical waste dump. Um, And, you know, you have these nasty chemicals showing up, uh, which are very stable in the environment. These are, dioxins are really bad because they're really stable. They don't degrade with time in the way that a lot of other chemicals do. Mm. Um, But a big issue here is there's not really money to actually clean the place up. Because Hooker Chemical was immune to uh, litigation, the school board can't really pay for it, if, if even if they wanted to. Yeah, I mean, Hooker um, wrote in that like uh, that clause in the contract. It's like, no, you right. can't sue us. Can't sue us, yeah. And like purely on the sort of like contract law of the time, I'm I'm sure that's fine. Like, I'm sure there is no remedy in contract law against them. Right. There's another problem that since it was a general landfill before it was a landfill for Hooker Chemical. Residents couldn't really conclusively prove that the toxic chemicals showing up in their backyards and basements were the same toxic chemicals Hooker Chemical had disposed of on the site. You know, who knows? There, there might be other toxic chemicals there too that the city had disposed of. Who knows whose chemicals these are? I don't know. <laughs> you don't either. Shut the hell up. This problem got so obviously bad, someone had to do something. Um, and this is not like a unique problem to the Love Canal, right? All of America at this point was covered in improperly disposed of toxic waste. Uh, the Love Canal just happened to be one of the worst instances of it that was closest to a population center, you know, save for maybe Times Beach, Missouri. Um, you know, and you can see here in the picture, this is the Valley of the Drums, 
which is near Louisville. This was another nasty hazmat site at the time, right? Mm. But a lot of the times you couldn't find the responsible party to pay for remediation of these toxic waste sites. Sometimes the responsible party no longer existed or was sufficiently legal to, legally shielded to be off the hook. You need some kind of solution here to get I'm, these sites remediated. It's time for the unelected, jackbooted federal thugs to create, or begin to create, a class of strict liability law, uh, which is now the reason why the ATF can kill your dog for any reason they want. <laughs> <laughs> And not just strict liability, but like retrospective liability as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the solution is this thing called Superfund. Or the, the comprehend Superfund. Super yeah, super yeah. Sounds sounds really great. I want to go to the Superfund. Uh <laughs> going to the Superfund site at Love Canal. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like waterboarding uh, at Guantanamo Bay. Sounds great if you don't know what those things are. Going to the Going to the super fun site at Love Canal. Going to take a bunch of ecstasy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a rave? What? <laughs> oh, I fucked up badly. <laughs> so the Comprehensive Environmental Response Compensation and Liability Act of 1980, the Superfund Act, maybe one of the only progressive and useful pieces of legislation passed by the Carter administration. Um, hmm. The idea was you take a, an excise tax on petroleum and chemical manufacturers, and that would pay for a perpetual trust fund for the sake of remediating environmental disaster zones like the Love Canal or the Valley of the Drums in Kentucky or places like that. Hell yeah. And so this is what lets removal and proper disposal uh, uh, start in, in the Love Canal site. Residents were sort of initially housed in motels while this happened. Um, a lot of people speculated they'd be allowed to return to their homes. That didn't happen. They all yeah. got demolished. Um, folks got shuffled around a bunch. Sometimes you'd get let back into your home, then told to evacuate again, and let back in um you couldn't really remediate the site properly it's it, it, it was too much contamination yeah i think um, the most that the epa ever wanted to do with it at that point was try and maybe like turn it into a park in a hundred years time yeah yeah uh 950 families were bought out at fair market man value had their houses demolished and then you know the neighborhood of love canal was no more and if you're uh, renting, you just ate shit, I guess. Yeah, I didn't read what happened to Redners, but I assume yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was very expensive. It was very disruptive. There are actually a lot of folks who were opposed to the remediation because they just didn't want to move, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they solved the problem by kicking everyone out. <laughs> well, that will do it. Yeah, you, you kick everyone out, you put a cordon around it, and you just, like, chalk it up to experience. Yes. Um, you know, in the end, they were still doing remediation work until the mid nineties, I think 1994 in 2004, the cleanup was declared to be complete. 
though this site has not been redeveloped, of course. Right. But Bush was the sort of like mission accomplished banner, sort of getting some extra <laughs> use out of it. Like we've well, declared victory over the chemicals. Yes. We have a uh, we have we have dechemicaled the site. Um so this neighborhood is still abandoned, essentially, but as much as anything, this is due to the decline of the upstate New York economy. Um, Grim. Hooker Chemical Company, which is now a division of Occidental Petroleum, was found negligent in 1994. They were ordered to pay $129 million to the Environmental Protection Agency. The total cost of cleanup in eminent domain of properties was $400 million. Cool. So, like, very little comparatively. Yeah, they paid for just over a quarter of the total cost. Wow. Um, there were lots of lawsuits from residents. These were largely settled out of court. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But ultimately, we had this sort of positive legacy here. You know, the Love Canal saga was, you know, they, 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 they created a po- positive legacy of the Superfund, right? Which is this progressive system one word for it. requires the companies most likely to cause long term environmental damage to pay into a fund to remediate that damage. Mm. Right? Anyway, in 1995, Congress did not renew the excise tax. So now, so now that the super fund money comes from the general fund, um, and it was extremely underfunded until 2021 when Joe Biden's big, dumb ex, uh, infrastructure bill reinstated the excise tax. So. Just, it, it, it's Joe cool that, Biden. Yeah. It's just Thank you, Joe, Joe Biden. And <laughs> a lot of not good things. Uh, it's the land of contrasts. Yes. I, I keep saying this. I think he's probably like the most progressive Democratic president now, like acceptable to the Democratic Party establishment, which is fucking mm-hmm. depressing. The most progressive current Democratic president. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> we, get, we greet this with the enthusiasm it deserves, and we wish him another four years of senescence. Yes. Hey, maybe he'll Take- die, and we can get like President Kamala. Uh, maybe, maybe he'll switch vice presidents to some someone weird next time Who's around. Judge. Boot edge, edge. Boot head, head. Boot head, head. Listen, I mean, like, as much as I don't like Joe Biden, as much as I believe that he's, amongst other things, a rapist, I I do think he is the man who is about one heartbeat away from Hillary 2020-whatever, America's chance to apologize to her. Oh. Oh, if we got a Hillary presidency, it just you know the, 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 country. The, turf, the Democratic turfs would be unleashed. Ah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, did we learn anything? What did we learn? Yeah. Um. I mean, do not trust corporations. American school boards have a weirdly large amount of power, including eminent domain shit, which they like at this time certainly did not exercise responsibly, but maybe is too much for like the kind of person who runs a school board anyway. Oh uh, yeah, the Lower Marion School Board has been 
wiling out recently. Um, you know, they, they mm. still have all those powers. Yep. And they use them for evil. And violating <laughs> children's uh, right to privacy. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Love doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because pollution isn't sort of of immediately or sort of medium term visibility to you doesn't mean it isn't happening, isn't bad. Uh, please, please, a crumb of science. In, in response to like any environmental policy ever. Um, yes. Instead of just doing like, oh, we're going to clean it up and make it look nice. Um, because, yeah, this exposes the limits of that about as well as anything I can think of does. Before you buy a house, there's this website called historicaerials.com. Mm -hmm. What you should do is go check what they were doing there in 1930. <laughs> yeah, and have a look and see what color the grass is. Um, why are these strange oil slicks here? Why are all the animals dead? <laughs> yeah. Use your best judgment. Yes. Um, this could happen to you. Could happen to you. Well, not exactly because you won't be able to afford to buy a house no. ever. No. No. The renting uh, that's a good point. Here. Yeah, you could, you could, you could experience this whole kerfuffle as a renter and get no compensation <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the landlords got compensated, though. <laughs> oh yeah, certainly. Well, they're homeowners. So. Mm -hmm. Well, we have a segment on this podcast called "Safety Third." Shake hands with danger. Hmm. Oh, I. Mm. Yep. Hi, Roz. Words yeah, uh, yeah. Hi, Roz, Alice, Liam, yay, Hi. Liam, and guests. Thank you. No guests today. We completely forgot to open the podcast as well. We didn't even do pronouns. Hi, oh, I'm Liam Anderson. No, and no, it's too late now. Too late now. That's Alice Caldwell Kelly, and her pronouns are she, her, mm. and that's just shut up. And that's Justin Rosniak, and his <laughs> pronouns are he, him. All right, go. Okay. <sighs> and. And also Devon. They use they them. I apologize in advance for this being an abnormal safety third, especially Fine. with it being spoilers fatal, happening almost a century ago. <laughs> happening almost a century ago, and being a third or fourth hand account. But I thought it was worth sharing with the class, regardless. This safety third is a tragic tale from my family's past. In the days just before workplace protections were really a thing, it concerns a distant cousin who I'm not sure of my exact relation to. All I know he is a relative of my great-grandmother whose maiden name was Tulis. The following is largely a summary of the only complete account of the incident I could find written by John Stark Bellamy II in his book, The Killer in the Attic. Our story takes place in Cleveland, Ohio in 1928. Oh, sorry. Actually, I like Cleveland, but yeah. once again, burn Rocky <laughs> River to the ashes. <laughs> Patrick Toulis, my distant cousin, and Patrick Clary, his co-worker, were digging shafts for the support pillars that would support West Prospect Avenue behind the then-under-construction terminal tower, which, upon its completion a year later, was the second tallest building in the world. Man, remember uh, when Cleveland used to be a big sissy? Mm -hmm. Cleveland had 
the tallest building in the United States outside of New York City and Chicago until the Comcast Center was built in Philadelphia. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and look at them now. Yeah, now they have the third tallest building outside of New York City and Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, I think there might be a couple of bigger buildings in Los Angeles, but uh, that is always like, well, Cleveland's got some big buildings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, not half a year before the incident involving my cousin, around noon on June 9th, 1928, several men working in a concrete well 192 feet deep had returned to the surface at Ontario Avenue on the eastern end of the construction site. When the surrounding area was hit by an explosion, which was determined to have been caused by one of the workers lighting a cigarette in the vicinity of a methane seam. Cool. Eight, classic. Yeah. Eight were injured, but no fatalities occurred during that incident. But October 16th, 1928, around 7.30 p.m., Ooh. at about where Ooh. the intersection of West Prospect and West Superior is today, the Patricks, Tooley, and Cleary had just finished digging a tapered shaft 103 feet deep. And the adjacent set shaft that they had dug before was being filled with liquid concrete. Even with the shafts having linings for reinforcement, two feet of clay-rich soil that had not been described as being or that had been described as being like quicksand is obviously not Ugh. the best buffer between one and a torrent of concrete. And predictably, the wall of the adjacent sat shaft gave way, burying both Patricks alive under 150 tons of concrete. Fuck, Fuck no. that. No, thank you. I used to have nightmares about this sort of shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> only one startled cry was heard from the bottom by a man on a scaffold higher up the same shaft, and then silence. The rescue efforts began at once, lasting through the night and into the next day, with workers shoveling out wet concrete with buckets, then turning the chisels and pneumatic drills after the concrete began to harden and was very obviously became a recovery mission. Uh, the two men almost certainly suffocated within 15 minutes of being buried under 40 feet of concrete. I really was less. Yeah. After 15 hours of digging, the body of Patrick Toulis was found against the side of the shaft, pinned there by a surge of concrete. An hour later, Patrick Cleary was uncovered, standing upright, his hand merely inches away from having grabbed onto a hoist that would have saved him. The report on the incident cleared the two of any negligence and found the shaft collapse to be due to poor judgment and construction on the part of the project engineer hired by Spencer, White, and Prentice, the firm in charge of the project. Spencer, White, and Prentice's own investigation claimed the tragedy was a mysterious act of God's love. Classic. And may maybe a teensy bit of sand in the clay-rich soil, because of course it was. And not... Not, not a problem that could have easily been prevented by pouring the concrete and letting it dry before sending expendable Irish workers down to dig another shaft. 
The Tulis and Cleary families were awarded $6,500 each after lawsuits, equivalent to $111,500, or about 370 Xboxes in today's money. Let this be a reminder to you all, do not go in the hole, especially if you... Especially if you are an Irish immigrant laborer in the 1920s. <laughs> Keep on being great, and Roz, please give Milkshake and Pizza Boy extra pets for me. Aww. Aww. Incredibly uh, depressing. Yeah. Uh, caissons. Fucked up. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what? Uh, they still send people down to inspect caissons before they fill them with concrete. Yeah, they, they still put people in the hole. And you shouldn't yep. go in the hole. Yeah, they still put people in the hole. No. Not, a, not a job I would like. No, no thank you. Anything with digging, and there's a lot of digging in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, call 811 before you dig, and whatever they tell you, then just don't dig. Just don't and do just, it. Or if you dig, don't go in a hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Just I do think like a very would... shallow trench, like an inch, you know? I think, I think you can still... Um, you, you, I think now you can put a camera in the hole. But a lot of times they just put a person in the hole. Mm. Well, because it, it lends that sort of like thrill of danger, right? Yeah, exactly. There's probably some guy who's like, yeah, I want to go in a fucking hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this sort of death wish. Mm. Sort of attraction to the hole. <laughs> but, uh, Being beguiled by the hole. Yes. But uh, Yeah, this could happen to you if you go in the hole. Don't do it. Uh, a girl like me can never be beguiled. All right, well, that was safety third. Shaky and danger. Shaky and danger. Our next episode will be on Chernobyl. Does anyone have any commercials before we go? Um, We're about to have a P.O. box again. Details forthcoming. I I was about to say the the, the P.O. box we've been putting in the description for a long time has been uh, inoperable. We're yeah, about to have Liam. a new one. <laughs> it's about to be operable. Uh, yeah, we're yeah, about Liam. to, but it, yeah, it will be a different P.O. box from the one yeah. that I've been putting in the description. Change all the description. you. I, I don't Sorry. know. I just did. I, You're I, very just handsome. Out, we got to put handsome. out enough episodes that all those old episodes are far back enough in the scroll back that no one looks at them and they only get okay. the accurate information. Well, the hard part <laughs> is to put out a lot more episodes. So, yes. um, yeah. Yeah, oh, I'm cool. really tired. Can I go to bed? Good night, now? everybody. Yeah. Good night, everyone. Bye. Off you to Zen. <laughs>